Welcome to the Overreact Podcast. In a society that puts women in a box. Let's overreact. I'm your host, Monica Muhoya. It's your girl, Angela Wamboy. And it's your girl, Lash Angela. And we want to welcome all of our overreactors back. I hope you have enjoyed the range of queen hustlers that we've featured in season three so far. And we're grateful to each and every one of you for listening to our podcast and subscribing. If you haven't done so yet, grab your phone, go to Sister Speaks Global Podcast pages on Apple, Spotify, Google, and Anchor, as well as Capital FM Kenya page on SoundCloud. Click subscribe and help us reach our target this year of getting to 1 million streams. That's right. And we are right in the middle of this um, season. And one consistent message that we've been uh, getting, it's everyone's entrepreneurship journey and growth is very unique. And lessons, you you take those lessons and, and it's imperative that you implement them. So uh, knocking on a range of doors and some of them will turn you away. But to strike the gold, you have to keep knocking, right? Yes, you must. Mm. And uh, who better to have on this podcast than featuring a queen hustler who is currently opening doors for women in business. We want to officially welcome Patricia Okello to the studio, the co-founder of Kayana Create and the founder of Candid Conversation Circles for Women in Business. I am so excited that this is happening um, because you are someone I have been admiring for a while because of what you do complements what we are trying to achieve with Sister Speaks. I've watched you. I remember watching you in an interview with Terry Anchibet and thinking, wow, this is an amazing woman. I love the wealth of knowledge that you were spewing. And um, and when we had you at the uh, Vision Board party, your Sage of Wisdom, definitely we took some notes. So I always hoped that one day I would meet you. So from my mind to my words coming to live, I am forever indebted to social media because I popped up in your algorithm <laughs> that made me, uh, that, made, that made me, and made you rather notice me. Um, so please, without further ado, welcome, Pat. Uh, tell us a bit about yourself and maybe let's start with a fun fact. Thank you so much for having me. Sometimes when I hear people speak, I'm like, what are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> I'm really honored to be here on, and I just love the work that you're doing um, over you. React and uh, Heels with Pads, etc. So my name is Patricia Okello and I've been an entrepreneur for 22 years. Um, I call myself an accidental entrepreneur because I actually didn't intend to go into uh, business and I found myself in this space because I was getting married. My husband was living in Mombasa at the time and believe it or not, we never planned life after the wedding. And therefore, suddenly it appeared to us that, you know what, we're getting married and we're living in different towns. This is not okay. And that's how I ended up moving to Mombasa. But fortunately, my um, husband comes from an entrepreneurial home and so the thought of leaving a, a good job and moving um, to Mombasa wasn't that I was going to be a housewife. It was always going to be that I can actually run a business. And that's really how the whole idea of my business has started um, in the year 2000. Wow, 22, 22. yes. <laughs> Can You're we just queen. do a little clap for yes. you? Yes. <laughs> She's like the queen of the queen hustlers. Like you are you, you're the queen sitting on the entrepreneurship throne. Well, there are many uh, ahead of us. But what I like to think of myself is a successful small business owner. And um, if more and more women could go into small business and build sustainable businesses, then, um, I mean, we can see this country and even the continent really change. So I'm a real advocate for successful small businesses. 
I love that. I think most people, we we live, or rather right now we're living, you know, you must dream big, you must think big, Mm -hmm. Fortune 500, you know, it's always that that vision of, and sometimes maybe you can't do that Mm -hmm. for whatever reasons, Mm -hmm. or maybe you even don't want that. You Mm -hmm. just want to, you know, make cupcakes. Exactly. And that's it. You're not planning to open loads of cafeterias everywhere. (laughs) Um, So I like that because it will inspire those who are okay with whatever it is that they're achieving. So before Kayana Create and Candid Conversations, and as you've just mentioned, that entrepreneurship wasn't in your mind. um, And if I'm not wrong, have you ever worked for anyone? Yes, I did. Uh, Actually, I worked throughout my university years. Okay. So that was at least um, three years. And then I worked um, for a year for a large media company. Okay. And, but I did exactly like January to December, and then that's when I moved to the coast. Okay. So what inspired you then to shift from nine to five, in quotes, uh, to either, because you juggle now two businesses, or even just starting the one and then, because Kayana came first, and then Candid, no, sorry, Listen. Candid Conversations came first, and then Kayana. <coughs> so what led, how did you find yourself in that space? So, first and foremost, 20 year, 22 years is a long time. It is. I have an adult child. <laughs> but, um, so the whole, my initial business was a branding business, and that's what I moved with to uh, Mombasa, and so did the real hustle. I was actually employed and running um, my side hustle, which is the branding company that still exists to this day. And um, then when, once I moved, we were in Mombasa for maybe a couple, like two years, and then came, moved back into Nairobi, and so started just, you know, employing people, hiring people, etc and growing a business really organically i then um 11 years into doing that i then started a conferencing and events business which just focuses on um, large corporates and doing uh, events and workshops for them and then um found myself 40 and uh, pregnant with my last son and i hadn't actually intended to have a child and so it took almost a year of work actually more than a year and in that period is when i wrote a candid handbook for women doing business in kenya and published it and that was just the beginning of Instagram. Instagram wasn't really a thing at the time, but I do remember when I had my first 50 copies. I was, in, I was writing a book, and my goal was just to sell 50 copies. Anyway, so when the copies arrived and I posted it on Instagram, they all sold out. I didn't even have a price for them. I think I just made up how much it was. Anyway, the point is that they all got sold. So I'm a sold-out author at 50, 50 pieces. Anyway, so that's kind of like spurred something in me, and I'm like, okay, I'm writing this all these um, uh, this kind of like advice for female entrepreneurs, but who's reading the book? I really wanted to meet the people who were reading the book. And more so, was it really um, meeting what what my expectations were? And that's really how we built um, a candid handbook for women doing, no, sorry, Circles for Women in Business, right? And hosted our first event in um, 2016. And um, I remember my goal, from I had gotten a little room in the club where we were hosting for 25 packs, but within two days, it, it was already fully booked. So we kind of like extended and I ended up having 57 people at the first event. And then the next event had 65. And then the next event I had 100. And I was like, okay, women are really looking for a place to network, a place where they feel heard and, you know, uh, and they're fraternizing with people who are the same, you know, who are also looking at starting a business or something other than just, you know, social stuff. So took the month off and then now really came up with the format of uh, now the events as they're known uh, today. And we did that for <coughs> until COVID, really. And um, but what had happened during that whole season and having, it's great to have so, sold out events, but it was never about uh, the feel good. It was always about what are we doing um, around um, creating sustainable 
businesses that can outlive us and you know can be for our kids as well to inherit. And so I, I said, you know, where can I meet these actual entrepreneurs? Well, the thing that um, the numbers in candid conversations is that 47% of the women who were attending the event were actually fully employed. They were working somewhere else, even if they had side hustles. But there was a whole 53 or so, 50% that were working on, in their businesses and didn't have any other form of income. And I felt that the support they needed was much more um, you know, tangible around um, building your business, getting the skill sets, um, you know, um, just-in-time trainings, you know, that you can Im- immediately implement in your business. And that couldn't really be offered in a one-off, like, event. And that's really how, what birthed uh, Kayana, and that's how we started that whole community. I love that. Even that journey reminds us of, you know, Sister Speaks. You know, you start very small. We started, like, in Mo's backyard <laughs> with a few friends, and it just had that exponential growth because you realize, like, women yearn for connection and you know to bring that together so like on your journey as an entrepreneur um candid conversations of course uh was inspired by the fact that the journey as an entrepreneur can be quite lonely at times 22 years 22 years that's a long time so for you what was that moment um in your journey that led you to wanting to be in a room to connect with other people and and bringing out the same uh desire so uh, you know, the existing program that you had, what was that aha moment for you? And I think before you go into that, just I, you said something that has stuck with me. What do you mean by when you say a successful SME? Like, that's mm. like, what does that mean? Okay. It's so powerful, yet in my ma- mind, it's like it's so little. How do you get comfortable with small? Yeah. Fantastic. Okay. <laughs> I was actually wondering when you were going to ask that. <laughs> so just beginning with what sparked the journey. In 2014, one of my mentors nominated me for an award in Florida. So I traveled to the U.S. and was amongst highly successful um, entrepreneurs. I mean, as in super successful. And when we were going up for our awards, it was the awards were being given according to the turnover of your business, Right. So I was in the first turnover of businesses that are turning over between 500000 and $1 million. So there you go, you know, we're like six of us, and we're like, hey, get our award. But it kept going on until it went to businesses that were turning over over $1 billion and above. Now, the lady who was seated next to me was receiving one of those $1 billion awards. And she was, if you're an introvert and you go into events, you know, you just go and look for your fellow somebody, you know, and stick with them throughout the event. So I'm one of those people. So I'll look for my person and then, you know, we'll just go all to the rooms together. And we had just been talking about life. She'd been telling me about, um, she's just asking questions about Kenya, my business journey. And we, we, we're just sharing the same story. So I, I never for one moment thought that this is a woman who had like a thousand employees or, you know. And so when she went up for, for the award, I remember coming down and I kept thinking, I have to recreate a space like that where when we come into the, the room, they're just women business owners. And it's not about how much money we're turning over, how many employees we have. We're just connecting on the very, just the basic level of being women and running and running businesses. So came back to Kenya and of course started asking a couple of my friends and they were like, hey, no, there's so-and-so doing this and so-and-so doing that. And I was like, man, I don't get invited to any of these things. How come everybody's saying that there's so much of, you know, of that going on? And that's at the same time I found myself pregnant. So. Um, I remember talking to my sister-in-law and said and saying, "Hey, I want to write this book, you know, um, seeing as I can't hold an event, but hopefully, I, I mean, I can write a book and it can be published." And she says, um, "Fine, let's do this together." And so that's how really the the book ended up being birthed, and that's really at the start of the journey of just being able to create that sisterhood here in on the continent, yeah. 
And uh, to answer your question around um, small business, so there's this thing, um, and we talk about it in the book, where when you get into business, you have to determine what kind of business you want. Do you want to be a mom and pop? Do you want to just you know, run your business from your kitchen? What do you want? And to answer that question, you, we give you a kind of like a range of questions to ask yourself so that you can <coughs> kind of know where to start. But the whole purpose of that is not so much to, to remain small or to remain in your kitchen, is to be comfortable with the space that you're in at that time and then create a business that works at that time. And remember, you can have a small business and a big business can buy you out. But if you're not running your business in a professional way, even that won't happen. That was the first thing. The second thing was why I wanted to encourage women to start small businesses is when you're young, you're on a journey. Just like I was, what, 26 when I got married, 28, um, having my first child. If I'm, I'm, The last thing is for me to build a unicorn that's on my mind. Right now, that all I was like, I just want to be a good mom and, be a, and keep my marriage, you know, and be a good wife, yeah? And um, if, we keep, we, if we only show that example to women, then we may lose a lot of, you know, Patricias along the way because that's not what they want at that time. Yeah. But if you do it right and grow because your kids will grow, right? Uh, for me, I was never, uh, and I don't mind stay-at-home moms, but I was never that person. So I, I was just like, let me just run it right. And when I came back into Nairobi, I was able to hire and employ people by just putting simple systems and consistency on the table. And so for me, that's what it means when I talk about small businesses. It's not that it's going to remain small, but it's really to encourage more women to just start with what you have and do it right from the beginning. That's so profound. And I think you alluded to something called like um, extraction. So do you encourage women to aim to be bought out or do you encourage them to, you know, sort of like in that environment of small business uh, to be successful, to thrive, and perhaps maybe someone will notice them and, you know, uh, invest in them? And it's not perhaps. When you're running your business, yeah. you want people to notice the work you're doing. Right. Yeah, because that's what attracts, um, attracts customers. Mm -hmm. So the idea is not necessarily for them to be bought out. It's for them to put systems in place for their business to be sustainable. Many, just think about anybody who's running a business. People talk about their moms running a kiosk, but then their goal was never to go in and then you know, work with their mom inside that kiosk. Why? Probably it was just too chaotic or they didn't just like the system. She didn't have any systems, didn't like the way the bookkeeping or et cetera was being done. It was just too messy. But imagine if it was so easy for you to just enter and plug in, even as a young child, then you can see yourself, okay, this is good. And I can kind of like, maybe we can see how the kiosk can become a supermarket eventually. There's that growth process. But if it's chaos and all shambles, nobody's interested in being part of, of that journey. So that's the whole idea of of being of putting systems within your business. Yeah. I think wow. I think one of the things I think people will get is, um, and this exists within our own business, so where like the interwoven of Sister Speaks and Heels for Pads, they kind of feed off each other. Mm -hmm. And um, with your story, even though most people know you for Kayana Create or Circles for Women in Business, you're, you're, um, <coughs> for those who are listening, they might not know that you have a degree in fine art. Um, so that led to your marketing. Exactly. And that also feeds off with what you're doing with Kayana and uh, Candid Conversations. And so when... They're entrepreneurs who we live in a world where we, we're no longer like our moms and dads, where you do one job for mm -hmm. 20 years and then that's it. Like you're not going to do anything else. Most people are very multifaceted, multi-talented. So they do want to explore in all these things. Um, with your experience of interweaving <coughs> your businesses, is that something that you would encourage because you also have the book, which feeds off everything else you're doing? Uh, what would be your advice to an entrepreneur? Is that a route they should consider? While they're 
No, okay, for, I'm a creative, right? Okay. So um, doing multiple things comes naturally to me, but I don't imagine that it would come naturally to many people. Everyone, yeah. And um, a lot of people will all be like, oh my gosh, Patricia, we can't keep up with what you're doing. But I never think about it as doing many things. For me, it's, I'm just doing, I've seen a problem and I'm solving that problem. And um, so I, I wouldn't say that I would encourage that um, necessarily. In fact, I would encourage you to do one business and do it <laughs> really well before you branch into doing something else. And I have to say, for 12 years, I did the same thing. I just slogged and did the same thing. I designed those logos and brochures and posters for 12 years. And I did get fatigued you know, along the way. And mm. um, thankfully, the business was growing, and I was able to open a studio and hire designers. And so I could take a step back and now had more time to really be more creative and think through other things that I wanted to do. So it's tough, and it's, and it's boring, you know, mm. doing the same thing all the time. So for me, that's my thing. My thing is get, you know, um, create something. Um, get people in, uh, loving what, what they're doing, and then I can be able to move on to do the next thing. And over the 22 years, that's how I've been able to do, the, you know, to do the multiple, actually, there's just three businesses with many failed ones that we're not talking about. Yeah. <laughs> but but failed, well, we must appreciate failed, yeah. actually. Oh gosh, yeah. We had Sheena here who, yeah, who yeah. talks about being yes. proud of being failed, failed and yeah. that's something that we don't talk about yeah. enough. I think lastly is, what, um, before like we move on to the next thing is um, with the interwoven because there is somebody who would is doing that. What has worked for you to make sure that you you well you'll never find really balance, but to make sure that they they still remain and keep going rather than one falling apart because you're focusing on the other. You have to what is the word? You have to bring people. You have to get your tribe and get people um, to buy into your vision. And a big thing is delegation. You have to delegate. There's, I don't. I don't know anybody who grows who does multiple things without. That's been delegation. a constant. Yeah. That's been a constant. Yeah. You have to delegate. You have to have you know to groom somebody, train people, and then just delegate and and know that there are many ways to skin a rat. It's not you. You're not the. It's not only your way, and be okay with that. Once you you do that, then you'll be able to do multiple things. And also doing multiple things has to be your thing. You, I mean, just because, you know, Patricia or Angela is doing it doesn't mean it's for you. Some people, it's just my one trick uh, pony and this is what I'm going to do and I'm sticking with it. And I'm doing it really, really well. Yeah. Um, so, Patricia, so you're a big believer in building generational wealth. Um, but in a world where someone's business idea might not be, you know, the most unique thing, of course, we're all kind of repeating and recycling ideas. But what strategies can you recommend to entrepreneurs out there that can help someone gain capital? to build the idea. Okay, so um, that's an interesting, that's a really interesting question. So the first thing I would say, um, yes, I am a big believer in building generational wealth, and uh, but what is the what does that wealth mean to me? It's not necessarily um, financial capital only. For me, it's um, financial, it's uh, cultural, social, spiritual, and intellectual. So I, look at, I always look at wealth in those five main areas because you could be really rich, cash rich, but uh, socially you're, you're, you, know, you're, you have no social network, your family is falling apart, etc. So what does wealth look like, I think, in terms of that uh, as an individual? And I always say um, for you to, um, to be wealthy, you need to be able to leverage on your assets. And many times that means acknowledging your past experiences in life, your social, where your social settings are, your, you know, your learned experience, how do you leverage that in order for you to be able to cash in and make money from it? Yeah, yeah. And so for me, that's what really um, uh, wealth looks like. But more so, and I think that's when you bring, when you talk about, the, I always say there are no new ideas under the sun, and many people say that, and I really truly believe. But 
what is the idea that the old idea that will have your unique touch and your unique experience in it and that's why building on all those five facets becomes extremely important because um, I could sell you my tea right for example but what am I adding into that tea that makes it uniquely Pat's tea you know so to speak yeah and I think that's what I call it you know just using being resourceful using what you have and just being extremely resourceful with it and when people like what you're doing um, and they'll be willing to pay you money to do it and that's how you then leverage and, and convert it into cash but in doing all that just make sure all areas are well balanced I say it's called at least a full 20% in all the five areas and you have your 100%. I have a question regarding, you talked about systems and uh, Lash was asking you how you have been able to run a business on a hybrid bu- uh, business model. So I was part of a program that was trying to investigate how do we attain prosperity through sustainable businesses and it looks like what we do. So Sister Speaks, a bootstrapped, you know, we brought uh, or built a community. Then within the Sister Speaks, we have a foundation. Uh, so the profits we get, we feed into the foundation. And I think it's a, you know, it's a rising phenomenon right now. I don't know whether you've been able to observe that in Kenya. And if it's happening, um, what's the future, especially in an economy that needs more growth as opposed to the uh, global north? Uh, they've achieved growth, growth, growth. They don't need to grow anymore. But here we need the growth, yet we are being fed, uh, you know, we need to be sustainable. And then um, with that, how do you see women contributing to the African economy uh, through that sustainable business model? It's so funny. I have a friend, <laughs> maybe you interviewed her. And, you know, there's all this thing around um, the circular economy. Mm-hmm. But Africa, we've been doing circular economy. We just didn't call it that. Mm, you know, just think about no yeah, it didn't have a name. So it's it's almost like the things that were innately um, African, and then being given these names that are now you know all the sexy and being globally recognized. Yeah. So let's look at even just a woman's business here on the continent. Yeah. Who who a small business who is being employed in those businesses? Usually, it's somebody from the community who needs the support, right? Mm-hmm. For example, my mom at home. The people who come and help her in her house are people who she knows are in real need. And rather than just, you know, giving them, you know, the food, come and help me with my chickens, etc. And I will then, you know, feed you. So we're already doing a lot of social work, yeah, but it's just being called that now. But I think it's an innately natural um, African thing to do. Um, for me and in the work I do at Kayana is financed almost 80 to 90 percent by my businesses. So we take the profits from our business and then turn it into the work we do within Kayana and Circles Women in Business. And it becomes just part and parcel of the way we do business. So my office knows every quarter we will be hosting candid conversations. We will be hosting masterclasses every quarter, three to five a year. It just becomes part of what they're doing as part of my staff. So embedding the work we're doing for our country and for our communities into our business is just it's going to be the norm. Yeah. And it is part of what it is. it means to be an African entrepreneur. And those are things that we need to embrace. Um, I remember a years ago, maybe six or seven years ago, McKinsey had a study for um, known as Lion, the Lion Titans, yeah. And one of the things that came out of that study is that new businesses, especially technology-driven businesses, um, going into um, geographies where there's a lot of poverty. So you come into a country like Kenya, you come with your taxi uh, hailing app, and you just kill all the taxi businesses that were there before. Mm. And um, ethically, there's a problem with that, you know. That's true. We're saying there's a problem with that, and that's what they were saying. They're saying, while it's great to go and reap all these profits from um, um, emerging econ- economies, you need to be investing maybe in the schools, in the hospitals, 
um, within those communities as well. So um, this is where this kind of like consciousness of business is coming about. And it's something that women already um, very much understand innately because we know we're nurturing, we're carers. It's already part of, part of what we do. So being able to embed that into your business is going to become imperative. Amazing. A question. Um, so you've written a book. Um, what can uh, women get out of this book? And um, and then they, you have spoken to many entrepreneurs from the ones that you deal with within Kayana and those that you've met, like uh, the lady with... Uh, 1,000 employees and 1 billion. Um, what has been one paramount advice that translates not only to just how you do business but also how you do life that from Mama Boga can use it to the person running a billion? Mm-hmm. What is the scholar thread? I don't know. What I say this all the time and I just say you have to know yourself. I think we, could come around, we just live this world not knowing who we truly are and then accepting you know, who we are. And when I speak to entrepreneurs, especially those that are grappling with, um, you know, issues in their business, sometimes there's that lack of knowledge of why am I doing what I'm doing, you know, keeping the why there. Uh, I always say you don't have to be extremely uh, passionate about your business, but you have to have a lot of passion for the work that you're doing. And um, that is usually driven, driven by a sense of purpose. And where does our sense of purpose then come from? Is from us understanding who we are and where we're going and the impact we want to leave in this in this world. And that's what I feel should be a driving part of why we're doing business. Why are you doing Overreact? Why are you doing the work you're doing? It's driven from something that, you know, a personal journey or a personal conviction that needs to be as part of your business. And wow. for me, and I, I would never get off a call without talking about this, is saying that my faith is a huge part of the work that I do. And um, just believing that Patricia, you're, you're breathing this air for a reason. And um, when your day comes, you know, you want to feel that you have really fulfilled the purpose that God has given you in this world. Yeah. Have, have you dealt with entrepreneurship fatigue? I'm that. just curious. Oh. 22 years, I'll be burnt out. Maybe that's the reason why I keep recreating new businesses. <laughs> yeah, that fatigue is real. And you have to take, uh, what are the things that are important to you? You know, you have to remember and keep remembering what those things are and taking regular breaks in order to do that. It's exhausting. It's do you exhausting. check out completely? Um, I haven't, I can't lie that I have, but I, I get away. Okay. I get away. I, 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 you have and to. when I get away, I leave my work behind. You know, I really do. And um, one, one thing about being a mom and having adult kids is the realization that the children grew up so, so fast. Yeah. And so being a really present parent means a lot to me. Thank you for that. Which is very difficult for an entrepreneur. <laughs> Uh, So, Patricia, we are so grateful uh, for you just taking time to grace our podcast with your presence and, of course, your nuggets of wisdom. But before we end this episode, we will be awarding you with an overreact digital billboard, and it will include a completion of a sentence by you. Okay, so complete the sentence. Entrepreneurship is hard work. Girl, say it. (laughs) (laughs) Say it. It's hard work indeed. We really enjoyed having you on the podcast and we've learned so much. I would say want to have a conversation with you around like, you know, SME, women, fatigue and all that. Uh, but thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, we've been here at Coffee where this very episode have been recorded. If you are creative and you'd like to come here and create magic, please do come to Coffee 9. Absolutely. Um, and remember to tune in 
every Monday right here on Capital FM Kenya from 10.30 p.m. EAT. Listen to us digitally via SoundCloud and the Capital FM Kenya's page. But you can also follow us on the Sister Speaks Global podcast pages on Apple, Spotify, Google, and Anchor. Do interact and follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Sister Speaks 254 and TikTok as well. And also follow Overreact on Instagram too. You have been listening to your host, Lash Angela. And I think my pattern shot is do what feels right for you when it comes to business. Don't look at everyone else. Look at yourself. And you've been listening to Monica Mohoya from your kitchen. You know, well, we pop that meal and put it online. Someone is willing to buy it. And it's your girl, <laughs> Angela Wamboy. And one nugget that I got from Patricia is meet yourself where you're at and make your business work for you. Ladies, let's overreact. Let's overreact.